Hey, you just lay out their clothes because it takes me five minutes. Hey, seriously.
came a lady, and I suppose it was her grandson. And she was a loud talker. Everyone in the restaurant could hear her. There weren't many of us. I remember a table of ladies next to me. And when the server came to their table to ask what they would like to drink, the little boy said, I would like chocolate milk. Grandma interrupted and in a loud voice said, Honey, you can't have chocolate milk in a Chinese restaurant. Chinese people don't like chocolate milk. <laughs> I don't think that's true. And so I was eating and listening. And then the server, a young Chinese girl, was taking the drink order. Grandma pointed at the server and you said, See her? She's Chinese. See her eyes? How different they are from yours? The two ladies at the table next to me, their eyes got as big as mine did. And I quickly found the next. The woman was not politically correct. In fact, she was Archie Bunker in a skirt, as far as I was <laughs> And it made me wonder about the wake some people leave behind. You've encountered them. That there's a trail behind them of hurt and heartache and bad feelings. Wounded victims. Baseball season has begun. And I remember this time of year 40-something years ago, playing Little League ball in Sandsbury. Very little did I play. I wanted to play the team to play for in those days, late 60s, early 70s, was Swafford Shoes. You remember Swafford Shoes over here? What's that near now? Rockwood Woodworking Store, somewhere about there. And I wanted to play for Swafford Shoes. And Mr. Swafford came to church here. And I figured maybe my dad as the pastor here could swing me getting drafted by Swafford Shoes. It didn't happen. I was not given my first choice, nor my second. In fact, I was given a choice I did not know existed. This is the name on my first Little League jersey. <laughs> I'm not making that up. I played for Morningside Cemetery. Stop laughing, it's bringing back bad memories. Because when you would show up in a Swafford Shoes jersey, you were somebody. And then when you showed up in that, it, it was embarrassing. The cruel things people would say. And then I'd leave the house and it got worse. <laughs> People say things. We get hurt. It was Good Friday 13 years ago. I was in Cincinnati, Ohio making a hospital visit. And I, I tell people I have a good sense of direction, but she's not always with me. <laughs> and this was the day before Garmin. And I took a wrong turn and I got in a 
bad part of town. And on that Good Friday, 13 years ago, there were riots going on in Cincinnati, Ohio. And I drove up right into the middle of the action. And I'm there to red light in my little prayer, and the mob is coming towards me, and I remember saying a prayer. It wasn't very spiritual. It was, get me out of here, is my prayer. And I remember taking off, and I don't know if the light was red or green, but I, I got out of there, and I made it. But uh, probably the biggest time of my life when I was in fear for my life. And so some days we have riots, and we have fear. That was tough moments. This week, and my sister Treba is here, and uh, nephew Charlie, uh, my daughter Ella is here, and Jeannie, and Don, and Juliet, and my brother Tim was here, and his wife, and their son. A lot of us gathered at the hospice over at Kennesaw to say goodbye to our brother Charlie. We knew it was close. <coughs> And that's hard. You've done that, haven't you? And we have our memories, and it's difficult. We all have our hurts. They'll do a memorial service for Charlie. I think tentatively they'll do that here May the 3rd. Linda's going to take a little while, uh, and so we'll let you know about that. So there's not a funeral in the next few days, and it's a good thing, but I'll have to fly to Indiana tomorrow to do a funeral Tuesday morning for a dear friend who died. I'll fly back Tuesday afternoon because I've got a funeral Wednesday for Charlie Duncan's uncle in Sandy Springs. It's always something. We spend our time a lot of funerals, don't we? And they hurt and they're painful. It's been a long introduction. Easter could not come at a better time. I need Easter. How about you? We're in the same boat, aren't we? We've been hurt and wounded and depressed and frightened and mobbed. And we need this day. Let's pray again. Father, most likely we have heard this story hundreds of times. We've read the gospel account of what happened that morning. We'll do that again. And Lord, we just ask that you would Make it real to us. Never stale. Always fresh and exciting and vibrant and life-changing to help us get over those hurts and those wounds and those trails that others have left behind. Help us to continue and to carry on. We thank you for this great day. In Jesus' name, amen. I'm going to read you Matthew's account. Chapter 28, beginning at verse 1. After the Sabbath, as the first day of the week was dawning, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to see the tomb. Suddenly, there was a great earthquake. For an angel of the Lord, descending from heaven, came and rolled back the stone and sat. His appearance, it was like the lightning. And his clothing, white as snow, for fear of him, the guard shook and became like death. But the angel said to the women, Do not be afraid. I know you're looking for Jesus who was crucified. He is not here, for he has been raised, as he said. Come see the place where he lay. 
Then go quickly and tell his disciples, he's been raised from the dead. And indeed, he's going ahead of you to Galilee. And there you'll see him. This is my message for you. So they left the tomb quickly with fear and great joy and ran to tell his disciples. Suddenly Jesus met them and said, Greetings. And they said, they took hold of his feet, worshiped him. And then Jesus said four words that I need to hear and you need to hear. Do not be afraid. Do not be afraid. Say that to your neighbor, left or right. Tell them, do not be afraid. <laughs> That's important when we have tough days. Before Jesus was crucified, it is teaching moments with the disciples, trying to prepare them for the world that he was leaving. John tells us, Jesus said this, in chapter 16, verses 32 and 33. But the time is coming, indeed it's here now, when you will be scattered, each going his own way, leaving me alone. Yet I'm not alone because the Father is with me. I've told you all this that you may have peace in me. Here on earth you will have many trials and sorrows. That's true, isn't it? Here on earth you'll have many trials and sorrows. Other versions say you'll have tribulations. And you do. Have you stopped watching the news yet? A lot of us have. It's just too depressing. All of the trials and tribulations and sorrows. At Hammond Elementary School in the 1960s, they would take us out into the hallways, and I would demonstrate it to you, but I would not be able to get up in the position that they put us in. And we would get on our knees and put our head against the wall and our hands over our head. And we were preparing. Remember what we were preparing for? The Russians. They were going to fall. Nuclear war. We got ready for that. We were vaccinated in school for polio because it was going to get us. And over the years, we were told the swine flu would get us, or the bird flu would get us, or the Chinese flu would get us, or legionnaires would get us, or killer bees would get us, or cholesterol would get us, or global warming would get us, or nuclear bombs, or anthrax, or fill in the blank would wipe us out. But I love how verse 33 ends, and I skipped an important part after Jesus said, here on earth you'll have many trials and sorrows. But Jesus said this, take heart, because I have overcome the world. It doesn't matter what your jersey says. It doesn't matter what happens in the table next to you. That's the best news ever. And honestly, that's how I can stand before you composed after the events of this morning. Because he has overcome the world. That's what we want. That's what we need. A way to overcome. To overcome sorrow and sadness and hurt and heartache and disappointment and all those things that just don't forget. And so Easter is here. And we celebrate I want to share with you one of my favorite verses in all of Scripture. And at Easter, when I think about this great day and the power that rose Jesus from the dead, this verse pours fuel on my fire. 
Romans 8, 11. The Spirit of God, who raised Jesus from the dead, lives in you. You might want to look at your neighbor now and say, I'm talking about you. I'm talking about your neighbor. I'm talking about you. The Spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. And just as God raised Christ Jesus from the dead, He will give life to your mortal bodies by the same Spirit living with you. It's so important and it's so good, it's repeated. It's redundant. We are told twice. The Spirit of God lives in you. Resurrection power is inside you if you're a believer. I've told this story so many times, but it sticks with me so much. And many of you here witnessed it, but our friend Ann Bailey went to heaven in the past year. She taught me in Sunday school. She always had a smile on her face. She started a wheelchair basketball league in Atlanta. They played in the Family Life Center. And she was such a vivacious, vibrant woman. And you know some of you, her story on her honeymoon on Daytona, Daytona Beach, probably 48 hours after she walked down the aisle, a car ran over her and she never walked again. Raised two boys, lived a wonderful life, was a person of joy, and the power of God lived in her. And that to me is proof of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. When somebody can live a life like that. His name was Earl, Earl Petty. In Indiana, he led music in the first church I pastored there when we were in seminary. A wonderful man, and he loved to sing. And I often I played the guitar, and we would sing together. And when he was in the hospital, just north of Louisville in Clark County, Indiana, one snowy day I went to see Earl. And I snuck my, well, I took my guitar with me. And nobody stopped me, and so I got to his room, and I got the guitar out, and we started singing. A good Baptist knows a lot of hymns, and so we didn't need books. We could get the first and last verses and fake some of the middle ones. And so we sang while he was in his hospital bed. He was just a few days after surgery. He had a leg amputated, and they were talking about taking the other one off. And his condition was dire, and they didn't give him much time. And we sang and had a great time. And I put my guitar back in his case and started to leave. And I'm at the door and I'll never forget Earl saying, David, can we sing one more? How do you tell a dying man no? And so I went back, took the guitar out and said, sure, Earl, what do you sing? What do you want to sing? And Earl Petty looked at me and he said, let's sing He Touched Me. Know the song? He touched me and made me whole. He was half a man and about to be not one at all. And that's what he wanted to say. Because the power of God lived in earth. And it still does, by the way. He's in heaven. I believe in Jesus. I have seen him. And people like Earl. And people like Anne. And people who have the power of God living in them. I talked to a friend we haven't spoken in 35 years this week. I found him on YouTube. He was a professional jazz guitarist named Raggy Ragsdale. 
He used to play for Denny McLean Orchestra, and he was gifted. And our paths crossed in Mississippi, and we played the guitar together. And in his day, Randy Ragsdale was quite, oh, I don't even know if I have church words to say what he was. <laughs> They're escaping. God got a hold of Randy. He became a Methodist minister. The power of God lived in him. I've seen bitter become joyful, and haters become lovers. And fighters become peaceful, and takers become givers, and lost become saved. Jesus is alive and well, and the power of the Holy Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead, if you're a believer, lives in you. And that changes everything. Think of it in terms of a newspaper comic. In a sense, comic strip characters are two-dimensional. They're stuck on the page. They can move horizontally, they can move vertically, and that's all they can do. They can't escape the two dimensions of that paper. They're stuck in those little boxes. But imagine if a comic strip character could take on a third dimension. The added freedom would enable them to jump right off of the page. Jeannie and I went to a movie the other day with Steve at Candy Lowe Phipps Plaza, and it was 3D, and I lived in Indiana, they don't have 2D there, they're not going to have 3D there, but at Phipps Plaza they got it, and we got the glasses and we watched it, and I was ducking at stuff I thought was coming off the screen, and reaching to grab things, and isn't that what faith does? It gives us a new dimension. It enables us to be victorious. And some of you might know your stories and you needed that faith. Because life has been hard. But with the faith, our lives have meaning and purpose. And no matter how much we've been through, we'll not only survive, but we'll be victorious. New stories are being added every day. I met a new friend, Frida, this morning when I she came in and she said she was jogging by and saw a sign about breakfast and she prayed, God, should I go there? And God said, thank you, sure. I like that. I also met a mother who was in the foyer waiting on her son. He drives for Papa John's and, well, he had to be at work at 11 o'clock and she says, you're going to church, it's Easter Sunday. Thank God for mamas like that. He was here with a friend. And I've embarrassed some of them, and I'm sorry, but you know, that's proof. That is proof. The power that raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. And it has changed everything. And I'm excited about tomorrow. For because he lives, I can face tomorrow. Let's pray again.